1: it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. It's December.
0: It's des- it's here. December. Happy Mary, happy everybody.
1: Happy Mary, it's, happy.
0: You know, yeah, I th- this week we don't have an ad for a uh, certain. They haven't paid for us to talk about them, so I won't mention them by name. But uh-huh. an ad for a website
1: that yeah <laughs>
0: helps you make a website. Uh huh. And I feel like on the weeks where we don't have one, we probably should just record one anyway to kind of get me in the headspace. Oh, because it's like a, a warm
1: up for you at this point.
0: Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. It's like oh, you just went into the intro for the show. We didn't talk we didn't talk about the great features of this website
1: for i really i you know at the i i'm trying to be diligent about not, about not knowing what you're talking about because uh-huh. it's not paid airspace yeah i'm sure whatever you're talking about is a good product Probably. um but I do sympathize with you. I did give you no runway. I just started yeah. the show, and we, I hope dude, that's okay. We don't
0: we don't have a normal. We don't have like warm up exercises that we do before we <laughs> hop on
1: the mics. Yeah. Ooh. Otherwise, that's so. a thing that we could start doing. Red leather, yellow, yellow leather. leather. Good blood, bad blood. Red leather, yellow. <laughs> a big black bug bit a big black bear, made a big black bear bleed black blood.
0: Ooh. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers, am I right?
1: The kittens left our mittens in Sweden, not Manhattan. Whoa this is good this is good audio all right now i feel ready now okay great andrew we are going to do a podcast that we do every week where one (laughs) of us reads a book not on air but before the recording and they tell the other person about it and the listeners at home get to learn a little bit about that book and if they've read it before they get to agree or disagree with any of the opinions that we express in the course (laughs) of the recording what book did you read this week
0: Oh boy! I read uh, the House on Mongo Street by Sandra Cisneros. Yeah,
1: I'm excited about this one. It
0: was a good one. It's it's a so we've talked a couple times about some like short story collections yeah. or like collections on a theme that like aren't strictly like telling one narrative or, or that jump around a lot in terms of like content and tone. This is sort of like that, but even shorter. And there's like a there's an element of poetry to a lot of it uh-huh. just in the in the language and and the, the length of it. So yeah, it's not a it's not poetry, which I don't I think we've only ever done like one time on the show that I can remember.
1: I don't even know um, what one you're talking about unless you're I might talking be misremembering about it. like the Odyssey was no, or... something
0: like something about a goose or something. I remember the book being white. It was about a birds book or like about a, goose. a goose. I don't anyway, <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a format that we haven't discussed much. So I've, I I yeah. honestly, d- d- that, having done five hundred and whatever of these is rare to not really know how one is going to go. But um. I don't know how this one's going to go.
1: All the more reason that we did those warm ups. Now we're like mm-hmm. limber. We're giving it the yeah, best shot yeah. that we can.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I have not read any Cisneros. I know that this book, which was her first novel. Um, is widely taught it is like in a lot of curricula she has said that like over the first 10 years of its life cycle as it was you know it was critically acclaimed when it was released and people liked it um, but it was that first decade where like a lot of people were championing it being in classrooms and being in libraries and stuff Um, and I I will be interested to talk to you about the language of it and and the structure of it because I think maybe I have a take having not read the book at all. Oh, I, this is going to be amazing! <laughs> Please that,
0: continue.
1: That the like cons- is is concision a word? The conciseness,
0: yeah. concision, I think, is a word.
1: Yeah, the poetic brevity, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, make and the fact that it's not a super long read. Makes it an appealing text in a school setting where you can like assign not super long readings that do still have a lot of stuff to talk about, hopefully. Well,
0: and if, if the kids were to only do part of the reading and not all of it, which, I, <laughs> which I understand all teens who are teens who are listening, like we're not endorsing this, mm-hmm. this approach yes. to, but I honestly think my college experience would have been a lot better if I actually had done all the uh-huh. reading all the time.
1: <laughs> and, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that to undercut what might work in the book. I'm just saying that like, it is a th- it is a like an object that might be more easily digestible in smaller chunks or you
0: yeah might, no i'm I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to undercut anything either i'm just i'm i am <laughs> saying that you could you can get stuff out of this even if you only read a little bit of it because yes. it's all like it's very short and it's very punchy mm. and you know if if your strategy in class is to read a little bit Talk as early as possible so that the professor will not call on you again and then just chill, which again, not endorsing the strategy, just (laughs) acknowledging that it exists. This book lends would lend itself to that. I I
1: think I found a quote from her in an NPR article that said, I wanted something that was accessible to the person who works at Dunkin Donuts or who drives a bus. Someone who comes home with their feet hurting like my father. Someone who's busy and has too many children like my mother. I wanted this to be lyrical enough so that it would pass muster with my finicky classmates. This is at the Iowa Writers' Workshop, but also open to accept all of the people I love. I loved in the neighborhood I came from, and I found other interviews where she said I wanted this to be a book you could enjoy if you just opened it and turned to any page and just started reading. So that kind of gets to what you were just saying, Andrew, which is just yeah. Right. There's just a dive so in.
0: No, the fir- the first like. F- well, let's talk about her yeah. some more. Do you have stuff about her? I do, then, I do, then, sorry. So the first fifth of this book is like an introduction to this book, which has some uh autobiographical elements, does talk about her experience at the Iowa Writers Workshop, which I feel like has become a minor recurring character on our podcast this it's, year for whatever. I feel reason. like we have
1: we have really punched it up and hit a bunch of authors that went through it in a quick like we've we've covered a lot of people that have gone through there, I think. Yeah, and
0: I and I have known but
1: it's a thing. There's for been a, a grouping long time, this year in particular. For some reason, <laughs> yeah.
0: But her like her experience at Iowa was formative, but yeah. it also was mostly negative. So that yeah. is that is something we can we can talk about a little bit because I think usually when we are I mean, especially when we're reading like a white author who's been through Iowa, yeah. like the the thing on their their Wikipedia page or their bio page or whatever about it is just like they went to Iowa and like that lends a, a certain... Yes. you know, weight weight to their like talent or or their intellectual heft or something. We don't usually see that followed up with anything about how Iowa went for them in That's particular. A good point. It's a very good point. So yeah, so that th- will th- be interesting to talk about in that context. Let but me yeah, do the, yeah, yeah, let me do the yeah. rundown.
1: Um, sure. Cineros was born in 1954 in Chicago. Um, I believe her father had immigrated from Mexico and her mother was Mexican American. Um, she has talked about being like a for better and for worse kind of kindred soul to her father Um, in almost every interview I read with her there was a reference to her proving to her father that she was making money as a writer Um, Mm. like one time she took him to buy a car with her just to prove that she could buy a car with writer money (laughs) Um, (laughs) and like there's just a lot of you know, machismo and stuff that she's talked about kind of wrapped up in her relationship with him. Um, she was the only uh, girl in a, f- in a family with seven kids, um, and they moved a lot back and forth between Chicago and Mexico City. They ultimately settled in Humboldt Park in the west side of Chicago, which is what I believe informs Mongo Street. Though I did find that she says there is no such place as Mongo Street. There is a Mongo Avenue in Chicago, which is not what she was basing it on. She was basing it on her house on Campbell Street, but she didn't want to call it the house on Campbell Street because of Campbell's Soup. That's what she said. Huh. Okay, so she just kind of turned the word around in her brain until she came up with another word that she liked. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fine. (laughs) Um, She studied. Where did she study? Um, I have this here somewhere. Loyola and then went to the University of Iowa uh, with the Iowa Writers Workshop. Um, She went on to teach at University of California, Berkeley, University of Michigan, was the writer in residence at Our Lady of the Lake in, I believe, Texas. Uh, she founded the Maconda Foundation, which, run, which runs a writer's workshop, and she also founded this foundation named her father, Alfredo Cisneros, which is another way to support writers in Texas. Um, this book, I believe, was 1983, 84. 84, yes. And then won the American Book Award and a bunch of other things. Um, she won the National Medal of the Arts and the Penn Nabokov Award and a MacArthur grant and NEA fellowships. Um, very very successful and she is the f- first person to tell you that she's kind of astonished by it um, sure. and she is like a pioneer in you know the last three or four decades of chicana writing um but she also like realizes that she was just trying to write a book that represented herself. This is what she told NPR in 1991. I think I can't be happy if I'm the only one that's getting published by Random House when I know that there are are such magnificent writers, both Latinos and Latinas, both Chicanos and Chicanas in the US whose books are not published by mainstream presses or whom the mainstream isn't even aware of. And you know, if my success means that other presses will take a second look at those writers and publish them in larger numbers, then our ship will come in. We've heard that from other... Uh, marginalized writers in the past as well yeah
0: yeah and, it, and, it, and it's not fair that in addition to like tending to their own work and their own success that they are mm-hmm. tasked with yes with having to you know put to to put down a ladder for people who are also trying to come up just to like make it easier but i'm always really impressed by it and like gratified by that work the people who carry carry it with grace yeah Yeah, for sure (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Uh,
1: well because like you know some people do not and the people who do are doing extra work on top of it right yeah Mm -hmm. um she said in an interview with iowa public radio about her time at iowa andrew and this is what i think you were wanting to get to she said i was in iowa and i did not have my voice i lost my voice in the world. she was studying to be a poet sorry um I lost my voice in the workshop, so this was a way for me to comment on the world with an earlier self, an earlier place with an autobiographical shame about my neighborhood, neighborhood, my poverty, the people I knew. In writing it, I discovered the richness of that neighborhood. And as I gathered the stories from my students, I started realizing this is what I want to be. This is what I do not want through Esperanza's voice. Um, and she has talked In other places about this being a thing she came up with coming out of one seminar on a weekend where she started thinking about where she had come from, thinking about why she was mad that all of these other writers were studying fiction that did not represent where she had come from um, and the life that she had lived and was like, well, I'm 22 or 21 or whatever. I'd gone right into my MFA program. What else can I write about? What can I write about that no one else can write about? I'm going to write about this Mongo Street. That is that yeah. is a, an amalgamation of a lot of people she knew um, growing up and people that she knew as you know a young adult.
0: Yeah, uh, she said. So this is this is a bit. It's it's interesting to hear you give these quotes from her in interviews because they are much they're like much more prosaic versions of things that she says in this <laughs> forward. Like the, the forward is written. As Sandra Cisneros, but it, it is much more in the voice of Esperanto Street in oh, terms of in yeah. terms of like the the rhythm of it and the language of and this it. This is
1: from and the twenty fifth anniversary edition, right? Is that what this is like? This forward, I think, is from that, maybe. Which,
0: uh, yeah, I, I, it 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 must be from a reissue because it is, yeah, it is it is written with the benefit of hindsight. I think. Okay, <laughs> but, yeah, go for it. Um. She says, of, specifically of the thing you were just talking about, the people I wrote about were real for the most part from here and there, now and then, but sometimes three real people would be braided together into one made up person. Usually when I thought I was creating someone from my imagination, it turned out I was remembering someone I'd forgotten or someone standing so close I couldn't see her at all. I cut apart and stitched together events to tailor the story, gave it shape so it had a beginning, middle, and end, because real-life stories rarely come to us complete. Emotions, though, can't be invented, can't be borrowed. All the emotions my characters feel, good or bad, are mine. Okay. So that is, you know, it, it is tempting, as it often is, to read this as, like, strictly autobiographical, and I don't, I I think that there are there are definitely elements of that in it, but
1: it's not all that. No. And she, I watched an interview with her where she said it at the time. It she looked looking back on it, she's like it was kind of foolish of me to not anticipate that happening. Yeah, <laughs> she was, yeah. She was like, I didn't, I didn't create a lot of separation between this main character and myself.
0: Yeah, like oh, a, a Mexican American author is writing a story about a the experience of growing up as a Mexican American in in America.
1: Yeah. Huh? huh. I, that must be well, and and like a an, <laughs> kind of an artist person, and it's just like yeah, it's there was a lot of conflation, and when we are guilty of that sometimes, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah, worth worth pointing out. Um, I just know that, like to to the
0: extent that I've ever written fiction, it's been pretty thinly veiled <laughs> <It's like laughs> representations of stuff that actually happened to me, which is why I don't write a lot of fiction because like. Not a lot of stuff has happened to me. (laughs) Uh, I do want to just quick run down
1: her bibliography, and then I think we can go to our break. Um, Yeah, perfect. So this is 1983. Uh, There's a collection called My Wicked, Wicked Ways in 87. Oh, My Woman Hollering Creek and Other Stories is the one I was thinking of in 1991. Uh, Caramello in 2002. Um, have you seen Marie in 2012? This is, there's other stuff in between the big one that I saw cropping up in interviews, a house of my own in 2015 is like a Mm -hmm. collection of nonfiction memoir ish essays that I think, um, there's a lot of press that I was finding. She was doing around that book's release that had people being like, let's talk about Mongo street. That's the book we all know you for, please. Can we talk about Mm -hmm. that too? Um, And then speaking of houses, oh, I forgot this. Andrew, there was an in 1997, I think she I think she lives in Mexico now, but she was living in San Antonio and she bought a house in a historic district in San Antonio and she painted it like periwinkle purple, like a specific color that was a reference to either another house she'd lived in or, or something like that. And the historic district came down on her and was like, no, it's not. You ruined this house. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but like, whose history are we talking about? Because she talks about it being Tejano's colors, and just an interesting anecdote with in someone's life who has like riffed on this idea of homes and houses a lot in yeah. her writing. I think she ultimately like dealt with it, but it's not hard to. People should go look that up if they mm-hmm. are familiar with Cisneros but I haven't heard that story. Sure. Um,
0: and then in 26, was it 2016 that she was awarded, like Obama awarded her the national medal of the arts? Like yes. she got that too. Yeah. I think it was like back before, before we were giving it to like, but yeah, it was 2016. Yeah, yeah. Back before we were rewarding that kind of stuff to like Rush Limbaugh and mm. I don't know, like Joe Rogan, he probably has one. Right, I, know. <laughs> like, I don't
1: you know? want him to have one.
0: I'm just asking questions. Craig, does Joe Rogan have a national medal of arts award and should he? That's the question I'm asking.
1: Can I ask a question?
0: Why shouldn't he? That's another question.
1: Can I ask a question? Yeah, please do. Can we take a break? I don't want to talk about Joe Rogan anymore. Okay. Andrew, this show this week is brought to you in part by Letter Joy, which mails. Letter Joy. A- yeah, Letterjoy mails one interesting historic letter to your mailbox each week.
0: What are we talking? About? Like, what kind of history are we talking about? Like, what are the options?
1: Well, they—you could get a series of letters from folks who worked on the American Railroads, um, from everyone, from engineers to sleeping car porters. You could—everybody had a good time building those. Uh, well, I think some of the letters are about the people who did not have a good time. Um, <laughs> okay. If you're a fan of Deadwood and you know, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want letters from like Wild West outlaws or about them. You could get those too. The letters yeah. come via snail mail to your house on mm-hmm. nice stationery or parchment, maybe, and they have a real mm-hmm. stamp. And they include a thing called the postscript where Letterjoy's expert curators give you the background on the letters. They tell you like who this person is, why it's a historic, important document. Why? Like, what is interesting about this moment in time? Andrew, this is a great holiday gift, don't you think? Yeah. Stop yelling at me, though. Yeah, I'm just so excited. <laughs> it's a great holiday gift for bookworms and, or the history buffs in your family. Um, I personally love getting interesting mail because I hate the bills and the spam that I get. And yeah, no,
0: it's so rare that you get... Interesting, like any kind of mail is actually for you and not for resident, you know?
1: Think about what a great gift it would be to give someone cool mail that would come to their house that would make them more interesting because they're getting letters from the past. (laughs) That'd be so cool. They'd get crossword answers right. They'd have cooler stuff to talk about in conversation. (laughs) They know which uh, horse races to bet on. (laughs) Yeah, you could call them up and be like, what letter did you get this week? You'd have a fun conversation with someone you care about. That's what you could do with LetterJoy. Start gifting letters with LetterJoy now by going to letterjoy.co, that is letterjoy.co, and sign up for weekly historic letters. And there's a special limited time offer for Overdue listeners. You use the promo code OVERDUE at checkout. Get $5 off your first order. That's letterjoy.co, offer code OVERDUE. Andrew, send a letter from history. Okay. Andrew, where do you want to start with this one? That's an interesting question. <laughs> I'm just asking him.
0: <laughs> so the book does have a sh- like a narrative shape. Okay. It, is, it is not. I I think when I was when I was summarizing what the book is doing earlier, like I had implied that it's not telling one story. It kind of is telling one story insofar as it is this, the story of one girl's life. Uh, her name is Esperanza. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is, it's not a hundred percent clear exactly what age she is, but, uh, a close friend of hers is referred to as being in eighth grade in one okay. sure. story. So I assume we're getting something that's like a year in like childhood into adolescence.
1: Sure. Somewhere in, um, in te- early teen
0: And uh, it's all the stuff that is happening to her after her family moves into this house on Mongo Street. The house isn't really like a character or anything. It's just kind of it. It is there in the in the first little story to like set up the circumstances of the book. But that's kind of like it, the, the, a lot most of the story is not like about the house or inside the house yeah, it's just yeah. like a, it is a backdrop to all this other stuff that's happening
1: okay um that helps me understand some quote she gave where she was talking about houses more as metaphors than as places to talk about <laughs> it's like yeah okay <laughs> that makes sense it is a pretext to explore whatever you want to explore sandra that's fine for me you do what you need to do mm-hmm. um so this is What's Esperanza's feeling about moving to the neighborhood?
0: Let me so I will read you just the first yeah. snippets of the first of the first story, which is called The House on Mongo Street. Every every like chapter, story, whatever, has its own name. Mm. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the house on Mongo street is ours and we don't have to pay rent to anybody or share the yard with the people downstairs or be careful not to make too much noise. And there isn't a landlord banging on the ceiling with a broom, but even so it's not the house we thought we'd get. Um, and it is, you know, it, it, it goes on in, m- in more detail, but I think that that paragraph captures the nature of it where it is it is their house and it is the place where they live but it's also like it, it goes on to talk about what the the house on um our house would be white with trees around it a great big yard and grass growing without a fence this was the house papa talked about when he held a lottery ticket and this was the house mama dreamed up in the story she told us before we went to bed but the house on mongo street is not the way they told it at all it is small and red with tight steps in front and windows so small you'd think they were holding their breath Bricks are crumbling in places, and the front door is so swollen you have to push hard to get in. There is no front yard, only four little elms, the city planted by the curb. Out back is a small garage for the car we don't own yet, and a small yard that looks smaller between the two buildings on either side. There are stairs in our house, but they're ordinary hallway stairs, and the house only has one washroom. So it is, like, yes, this is a house. This is ours. This is our place, but it is not what you dream of when you think about having your own house in your own yep. space
1: well it sounds um, like it's starting off the book with what again not to conflate cisneros but just the things that she is interested in exploring which is this like i'm not proud of the place i'm from <laughs> like that seems like esperanza's initial yeah, reaction it's, it's to a, this house
0: it's a, it's definitely a theme like the the conflicted relationship that she Cisneros and also Esperanza has with like the the place that they're from. It's, sure, it's like uh, so. I guess I I mean I can jump to the end now. Yeah, let's to, do like, it to literally Whoa. bookend. <laughs> <laughs> this is they they have talked about like somebody at a at a funeral for a baby. This book is not always is. There are some chapters that are fun. And there are some chapters that are not fun. Okay. But there is, you know, there there is a, she is at this like, gathering of, of people in the community for this, you know, for for this funeral. And some old ladies there are are telling her, uh, when you leave, you must remember to come back for the others. A Circle, understand, you will always be Esperanza, you will always be Mongo Street, you can't erase what you know, you can't forget who you are. And she is like, mm, Really do I have <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, this isn't my house I say and shake my head this is the, this is the next chapter this is the end. Um, I say and shake my head as if shaking could undo the year I've lived here. I don't belong, I don't ever want to come from here. You have a home, Alicia and one day you'll go there to a town you remember, but me, I never had a house, not even a photograph, only one I dream of. No, Alicia says, like it or not you are Mongo Street and one day you'll come back too. Not me, not until somebody makes it better. Who's going to do it? The mayor? And the thought of the mayor coming to Mongo Street makes me laugh out loud. Who's going to do it? Not the mayor. Mm. So like.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I don't like I I have a conflicted relationship with where I'm from, but I do care about the people who are who are there and I care about helping them. And I kind of am the only person who I know. Well, can definitely go back and help. Like, I yeah, like, sure. Like, other people are not going to swoop in necessarily and and help people living in this neighborhood or, or or help. You know, there there are a couple of depictions of of sexual assault in this. Like, a lot of forced kissing between adolescents. Okay, in a way that is that Esperanza clearly identifies as problematic but can't get anyone to care about like there's this scene where her friend Sally is like some boys have have taken her car keys from her or her house keys or something something and she is trying to get them back and they're like oh well well we'll give them back if if you kiss us and Esperanza runs into the house of the of one of the boys and and finds their mom and is like your kid and a couple other kids are making my friend kiss them in exchange for stuff and and the mom's response is like what do you want me to do about this do you want me to call mm. the cops like what am mm-hmm. i supposed to and it is yeah like it, it clearly registers to the reader and to esperanza as as an injustice as as it yep. should but like
1: I would imagine that's wrapped up in her feelings of like, I don't know about this place.
0: It's like, like, I don't know about this place, and also like it it, it ties into that bit at the end about like, well, traditional authority figures are not going to fix the stuff about this this neighborhood that needs yep. fixing or or like provide justice to the people in this neighborhood who, who need it in in whatever form. Sure. Um, okay. I'm trying to stay away from like fixing the neighborhood kind of language yeah, because yeah, yeah, it yeah. implies that you know there there's like a some kind of n- n- nominally white ideal that <laughs> Correct. No. that every minority neighborhood should, should be striving for and that's like that's the ideal outcome for everybody but it it is is something that Cisneros ex- explores a lot. It's just like the the poverty of this place and the and the the injustice of this of this place.
1: Something I but I, there
0: but there's also uh, go ahead, go ahead. But there's also like a lot of like fun lighter stuff. I want to make sure we talk about. Too. Yeah, we're we're the, getting to that we're we're doing the heavier stuff up front. No, and we can talk about some of the funnier vignettes.
1: I don't think this is a like I don't want this comparison to be reductive. I'm reminded of the end of the musical In the Heights um, that is about, like, a character choosing to stay in his community, in his immigrant community in New York, mm-hmm. to, like, be the storyteller there and, like, take up the mantle of that neighborhood's culture. And something about that reminded, like, that, that musical is a lot, and it's now a movie also, um, is about that tension between, like, Am I trying to achieve like escape velocity from this place that has problems and like I'm going to go off and do something else? Or is it about like I stay here and try to like represent this place and pour myself into this place and like.
0: Yeah. And then, and there's that, there's a tension. And I, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if Cisneros feels some of this in her work trying to get other. Uh, other voices you know to to improve the diversity of the publishing industry yeah sure always a bowler that everybody's having to try to push uphill but like the tension between i don't want this to have to be my responsibility yeah if if not me then who yep yep and it's yeah it's it's tough
1: okay so we've talked about the beginning of the book and the end of the book what uh, What's the, we're talking, we're talking about the middle now. What? I want to <laughs> tell me a little bit more about like the, I guess not the, I don't want it, like the plot might not be the thing to say, but like what occurs over the course of the book, I've seen it referred to as a coming of age novel. Like who is Esperanza? What happens to her? What's her deal?
0: There's a bit of coming, coming of age in the, in so far as Esperanza has her first and very negative sexual experience in this okay. book. okay um but i don't for you know yeah we don't we need, need to. for many reasons we don't need to get into that part specifically but most of the of the book especially the earlier parts are just sort of uh, esperanza with her friends esperanza with her sister like describing the relationships with like neighbors and and local you know uh, people who run local stores or or like pawn shops or whatever it is just kind of a bunch of little slices of of life in in this neighborhood because it is like um, a
1: bunch of vignettes right like yeah it's, it's
0: a bunch of vignettes and I, I like so here's something she's describing her sister nenny uh which is not her name it's a nickname but mm-hmm. uh nenny is too young to be my friend she's just my sister and that was not my fault <laughs> you don't pick your s- <laughs> That rules. You don't, you don't pick your sisters; you just get them, and sometimes they come like Nenny. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> That's very good. Okay, sure. Yeah, and,
0: and uh, she has a, a couple of friends named um, Lucy and Rachel, who, okay. <laughs> who who come up a few times. Like she she meets these two when they like they they have got a bike. And Esperanza doesn't, you know, she doesn't have enough money to have her own bike. And so she gives these girls like five bucks so they can have like a timeshare arrangement about this, bike. Oh my God. <laughs> but the first day, of course, nobody like they, they, so they, they set up a schedule, like you're going to get the bike on this day and this day and I'll get it on this day and whatever. But the first day, of course, everybody wants to be first. And so they all just ride on it together, like down the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and there's the, this. Uh, We ride fast and faster, past my house, sad and red and crumbly in places, past Mr. Benny's grocery on the corner and down the avenue, which is dangerous, laundromat, junk store, drugstore, windows and cars and more cars, and around the block, back to Mongo. People on the bus wave. A very fat lady crossing the street says, you sure got quite a load there. Rachel shouts, you got quite a load there, too. She is very sassy. Oh, wow. Down, down Mongo Street we go, Rachel losing me, our new bicycle, laughing the crooked ride back. So like that's a that's the lightest sort of version of of the stories is just like, this is, you know, these are, these are childhood memories. Like this is, this is a, this is a good memory that I'm having.
1: <laughs> sure. Do characters like, I guess other than her immediate family, which I would imagine does recur, are there like recurring subplots or is it really just like, here are the people in Esperanza's neighborhood, get to know them. And then we're going to talk about Esperanza.
0: Uh, the one you you the one you get the most of an arc for, aside from Esperanza herself, and even her arc is like, I this is a formative year of my life. Sure, and, you know, Great. and yeah. and and that's something I think we talked about in the intro a little bit. Is like life is messy, and the stories aren't don't have a neat beginning and end always. And of that's course, kind of what that's kind of yeah. where a lot of this is coming from. Uh, but Sally has. An arc where she is, you know, she's, she's kissing boys because they are making her to get her keys back. Uh, She gets married to somebody. And so you remember earlier when I said that I knew that Sally was in the eighth grade. Oh, do you remember that? I do. Uh, The reason I know that is because she and the guy that she marries who does not like her friends and will not let them come over unless he's at work. Uh, This guy and Sally get married in another state where it is legal to get married uh, when you're still in the eighth grade. Oh, no. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. That's. And if you're thinking about Illinois and like which state like. To Illinois that this is speaking badly
1: up. <laughs> wow! I
0: don't, I don't. We just we just leave it to just the imagination. Li- just I asking guess. questions. I'm, we're just asking questions here, and that's what we—that's one thing we do on this show. Five hundred and something episodes, many questions.
1: Huh. Not a lot of answers. Not a lot of them.
0: That's not what we traffic in here. We just—we're just asking the questions.
1: What's the? I don't want to talk about that anymore. Can we talk about Esperanza's family? What's her, what's d- the deal with her? That her, sounds like a question to me. What's the deal with her family? <laughs> I don't know. I don't um, want to talk about the other thing that you were talking about, which whatever state is nearby Illinois. I don't want to talk about that anymore.
0: Yeah, no, we don't want to talk.
1: But about But it sounds that like anymore. Sally has a subplot. Anyway, what's the deal with her family?
0: Uh, so we only you know, you know, obviously Nenny is a is a character, and Nenny is around. Sometimes they are friends. Sometimes they are not. It's a very it's a it's a relationship that rings very true. If you are if you have a sibling with like a significant enough age gap that i mean on paper it can be like what two three five years like not that much once you're 32 and they're 37 but a lot when they are you know 10 and and you are five (laughs) correct um the so what we get of her mom and dad is actually not a ton. Um, there are two passages that are sticking out in my mind. One is a a vignette about how her dad's dad passed away and how her dad came and, and told her about it. And it's like, it's upsetting their, their, like the routine of their, of their day. And it is making her think about what will happen when her Papa dies. And she just wants to like, hold him and hold him. Mm. And she's never seen him cry and he's crying about this. And then her mom, um, there's a, <laughs> this rang like extremely like verbatim true to me is that her mom was talking about what will happen when she wins the lottery. And then Esperanza tunes her out after that key <laughs> phrase happens <laughs> And that exchange, that specific exchange, has happened between me and my mom so many times.
1: Oh man, (laughs) I think a lot. Yeah, that's probably true for a lot of folks.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's always someone. If 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 it's not you, if it's not you, there's always someone in your life who's trying to win the lottery. And like that's what the lottery is there for.
0: Well, it's not even in in like a an obsessive kind of gamblery sort of way. You just mean it's in in a a way I buy a ticket like once a week. Just yeah. in
1: case. Just in case.
0: Because the only way to make sure that you'll not win the lottery is
1: never to play. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's what they were thinking about when they invented the lottery.
1: Yep. Um, Wayne Gretzky. Michael Scott said that Wayne Gretzky said that. Anyway. that Yes. Um, that's yeah, That's, a, yeah, that's like a thing that you just got to carry around. Like, you just got to carry around that imagination in your pocket of, like, what if I win the lottery, just in case? Have we talked yeah, on the I show just, about what I, you would do, Andrew, if and you I won? And
0: tune, I tune it out because it is so improbable that it's not even worth thinking about.
1: I'm fairly certain I've said what I would do on this podcast ever, but what would you do? <sighs>
0: is, that, is there still the thing where you never wear a pair of socks twice?
1: It's never wear a pair of socks twice and I think they're, like, they're, minor they're league baseball team. I would like to buy a minor league, minor league baseball, baseball team okay. and I would hire myself as an announcer.
0: You should hire yourself as an announcer, and you should hire me and my five days a month Photoshop subscription for (laughs) the logo.
1: Can do. (laughs) Um, But also, you're going to design some cool socks that I'm going to never wear twice. What would you do if you won the lottery?
0: There are two branches of this question, right? There's like, what's the practical stuff that I would do to meaningfully improve- I don't want to hear about that. The lives of myself and the people around me. I didn't talk about that. What- one way am I sure that I would be a weird rich guy
1: yeah that's what I want to know
0: I I don't know I would probably I would probably get a house with enough rooms that I could just do weird like single use stuff with some of the rooms like if you did like a podcast like a podcast recording studio room Uh uh-huh instead of having one room that is my office and uh sometime guest room and yep. <laughs> podcast recording room, et cetera et cetera et cetera my favorite that character would probably be
1: it my favorite character on house hunters is husband who needs a room for his v r equipment yeah 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 that's yeah, kind of yeah. what i that's kind of what I want for you if I you wouldn't do anything that
0: I don't think I Hmm. Maybe once I've had a bunch of too much money for like five years, that would be something I would do, but not right off the bat.
1: Okay, tell me more about. No, us and then the,
0: then the serious thing would probably be just like trying to trying to engineer a non condescending way to pay off all the debt for all of the
1: people, people in who your are life
0: within like two to three degrees of me.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that's the real and thing. family wise. Yeah, and and giving them like. I almost said like negative debt, which is savings.
0: <laughs> which is <laughs> negative debt is when you think about it. That's what the stock market is, right? Is negative debt?
1: It is. You're right. And mm-hmm.
0: hey, wait till you were about
1: this book. What's the deal with it?
0: You keep asking me that very broad question about what the deal. Like,
1: do you want to talk about the language, or do you want to talk about more about the characters?
0: There are. Not, I don't. I don't think I. There's actually a whole lot to talk about with respect to like characters, I do want to talk about the language a little bit. Let me find a particularly like poetic little, uh, though this one's called those who don't this, this chapter is okay. And so this, this hits the poetry. It also hits some of the, uh, the discussion of race in the book, Uh, those who don't those who don't know any better come into our neighborhood scared they think we're dangerous they think we will attack them with shiny knives they're stupid people who are lost and got here by mistake but we aren't afraid we know the guy with the crooked eye is davy the baby's brother and the tall one next to him in the straw brim that's rose's eddie v and the big one that looks like a dumb grown man he's fat boy even though he's not fat anymore nor a boy all brown all around, we are safe, but watch us drive into a neighborhood of another color and our knees go shakety-shake and our car windows get rolled up tight and our eyes look straight. Yeah, that's how it goes and goes.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, and it, that's there, a and good passage. Good good and work, Andrew. Thanks
0: for... Thank you. I highlighted it. <laughs> what were you going to say? Sorry. No, just uh, there is a... Th- when the book veers into poetry a bit, which if you're if you're thinking like she went to the Iowa Writers Workshop yeah. to do that. And she is writing prose. And I think sometimes some of that poetry leaks through in ways that I, that are cool. Like, all brown, all around, we are safe. That's yeah, a, good, like, that's a poetic line. That's how it goes and goes. That's not something you'd write in just, like, straight prose, I don't think.
1: Does the book have um, have Spanish in it
0: or no? Only in the, like, imagine a TV show where there are like <laughs> Spanish speaking characters talking to each other in English, but then sometimes throwing in a Spanish word to okay. show how much they speak Spanish.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I, I found, she said as much like this is one of her books with the least amount of Spanish in it. Um, and I found an interview with her in the Chicago on the Chicago public Library's website. Um, that says, I think my work still has a distinctive voice that is uniquely mine, and that voice is one of a person speaking Spanish in English. By that I mean that I write with the syntax and sensibility of Spanish even when there isn't a syllable of Spanish present. Uh, It's ingrained in the way I look at the world and the way I construct sentences and stories. I was not aware of this when I wrote House, but I'm conscious of it now. Sure. And it just, I wondered too if that's like, especially speaking about how isolated she felt or at least how inadvertently othered she felt at Iowa that she was like, oh, this is my voice. This is what I'm writing. She She's also mentioned in another interview that she like didn't realize she was using the same lang like this language of her father. Cause her, I I don't believe her father read things that weren't in Spanish. According to sure. her. sure Um, so she was using it, but not quite. Um, which is
0: interesting. well, and that and that when you're 21, 22, you don't know yeah. if your voice. Is.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
0: Um, and like maybe you have one, and but but you don't know, haven't like thought about it as a conscious thing, or, or or thought about like developing it in specific ways. I don't think you just kind for sure. Of, I think a lot of the time you just kind of write, and whatever comes out is is what comes out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Here's, I, I will read you another little passage and then maybe we do? can talk a little bit more about uh, the Iowa writers workshop as the antagonist of,
1: <laughs> of, <laughs> of, of Sandra Cisneros' life. Cisneros's life, life. Okay.
0: <laughs> my first friend, my enemy, the <laughs> Iowa writers workshop. <laughs> uh, this this one's called Four Skinny Trees. And this one I flagged because of the weed trees that are. Oh Yeah just like everywhere hey, funny in the thing, city of Philadelphia where we live. Cuz those sure. weed
1: trees aren't those are those um like the the what is that called? The um, uh,
0: Alianthus, the the lanternfly trees
1: sort of cuz isn't that like the same trees the tree grows in Brooklyn? The mulberry yeah, yeah, yeah. trees. It's like the mulberry mm-hmm. trees or something.
0: No, it's I think Alianthus is the
1: is the thing. Oh, you're right. Is okay, what you're so. Thinking about. My bad. Um because I, I I
0: think there are a couple of different weed yeah. trees. The Alianthus is one and then those ones that start as the like the stinky weeds with the really big leaves and then grow into a tree yes somebody across the street from us a couple months ago had one of those cut down in their backyard and it's like the into for it like a two block radius just stank (laughs) because they're so stinky when you couldn't and then and then the indignity of it all is that they only cut it down to the height of the house, like that's gonna grow back. It's gonna you come back. You didn't. You didn't. T- you. <laughs> those Nobody trees did anything. are terminators. Like you yep. have to. You have to trim and trim and trim <laughs> them for like two years <laughs> to kill the, all the roots and stuff.
1: The reason I want to talk about them is because Cisneros said one of her mom's favorite book slash movies was A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which is like that's that tree, and also. From what I was reading about this book, it feels like they are, not that they are like explicitly similar because this book is way more lyrical. and
0: You're going to get some Tree Grows in Brooklyn energy from this thing I'm about to read, I promise.
1: Okay, that's, that's kind of what I thought might happen. And she said that yeah. she deliberately avoided it because she thought it was so sappy and saccharine like growing up. Because it was her mom's favorite thing and she didn't quite get it, and then she came around to it later as like understanding it as being important. Anyway, read your passage. Maybe
0: that's why maybe that's why they're elms and not like sure. this tree. uh four skinny trees, this chapter is called. They are the only ones who understand me. I'm the only one who understands them. Four skinny trees with skinny necks and pointy elbows like mine, four who do not belong here but are here, four raggedy excuses planted by the city. From our room, we can hear them, but Nenny just sleeps and doesn't appreciate these things. Nenny, man, you know? Nenny! You've always got to take an opportunity to slam Nenny. (laughs) (laughs) Their strength is secret. They send ferocious roots beneath the ground. They grow up and they grow down and grab the earth between their hairy toes and bite the sky with violent teeth and never quit their anger. This is how they keep Let one forget his reason for being. They'd all droop like tulips in a glass, each with their arms around the other. Keep, keep, keep. Trees say when I sleep. They teach. When I am too sad and too skinny to keep keeping, when I am a tiny thing against so many bricks, then it is I look at trees. When there is nothing left to look at on the street, four who grew despite concrete, four who reach and do not forget to reach, four whose only reason is to be and be.
1: Yeah. That sounds like a poet who's writing a novel. Yep. And mm-hmm. I don't say that for sure. No, it's not. It's,
0: it, yeah, no, it's just like this is literally what is happening.
1: <laughs> no, one of my favorite playwrights is uh, Sarah Rule, who went to Brown, I think, to be a poet, and someone was like, "No, you're a playwright." Just like
0: stop. She, it. And but and this is I'm just asking questions. Did she even know it?
1: I don't know if she did know it. Hmm but her plays have a lot of poet, like they are poetry driven (laughs) plays despite being like having a very contemporary voice um, from like a dramatistic mm, perspective. I made up a word anyway. And
0: so (laughs) I guess to, to tie it back and and to close out, like to go back to the Iowa stuff, this is, you know, you, you get that, that poetic sort of rhythm and, and voice and like the, the way that she like repeats and, and, Reuses words is Very like of poetry I think And she Talks about both how Poetry was taught at Iowa in her like Estimation and also Like more about what She like Intends to do as a writer like some of the stuff you Talked earlier where she wants anybody to be able to Read and enjoy her books. Yeah, she doesn't want sure. them to be like Intentionally or intentionally Like overly Literary and obtuse and like yep. all the stuff that that turns me off about
1: people who write fiction sometimes <laughs> it reminds me of it reminds me of um that basketball book I read the crossover, which was mostly poetry, actually, mm-hmm. but it was like written in it specifically attempting to be a kind of like very present tense vernacular poetry, active poetry that is not about symbolism. It is about Mm -hmm. mimicking voice and not to say that there isn't symbolism in it, but like the primary mode that you're trying to get out of it is like, this is a way that people think.
0: Well, she, and and I think that that book and this one, both are, can be described in in this way here. She says, "Uh, I gravitated back to fiction while in the Iowa poetry workshop poetry as, as it was taught at Iowa was a house of cards, a tower of ideas, but I can't communicate an idea except through a story.
1: Ah, sure. So like
0: the, the, the loose narrative being like the scaffolding that the poetry is sort of sitting on. Sure. Um, a lot of this forward is in the the third person. Uh, she has a picture of herself as a as a young writer uh, at the beginning of the forward, and she talks a lot about what the person in that picture was trying to do. Okay, like what what she was trying to do, not what I was trying to do. Um, she doesn't want to write a book that a reader won't understand and would feel ashamed for not understanding. I think that there is like there is a lyricism to this book, and there is a like a for lack of a better word, there's like there is a literary quality to, to the writing, but it is not trying to be hard to it's, yeah. it's not trying to be hard to understand. It's not yes. trying to make you bounce off of it. It's it's trying to make you say, Oh, that's a that's a neat way to put some words together.
1: Is interesting. So in the in the three star Goodreads reviews.
0: Three star goodreads
1: reviews that I was reading, there were a number of folks who were talking about having been assigned to read the book. Mm-hmm. And one person talked about liking it, but didn't like that they had been assigned so many, like that their class spent so much time talking about the, and then they used like the SpongeBob meme cap, like mess, deeper <laughs> meanings of everything. <laughs> and it, because it feels like the poetry is meant to make things very immediate rather than make it very referential or, I don't know like you have to dig in to know what the heck she's talking about
0: yeah like and, and as as with most of the things like there is a layer of subtext here and you can sure. dig into that if that's what you want but like mostly the it's mostly the focus should be on the text i think
1: the other the other thing and this might be my closing question for you andrew is that, that you are uh, just gonna ask me i am i'm just asking the questions mm-hmm. here um, a number of the three-star Goodreads reviews were talking about, like, they liked the vignettes as snapshots, but they found them kind of, like, light, or they wanted them to go deeper. Were there any spots in the book where you're like, oh, I'd like to learn more about that, or did you f- did you experience the vignettes that way at all? Because it does seem like it's a pretty slim read, but is it a... Sh- I- some folks seem to think it was a shallow read and I don't think that that's what your experience was based on what it's, you said.
0: I, I could see why like if, if there are if there's a setting or a like a, a character or something that you encounter in one you know one little like five paragraph chapter in this book that is never returned to but is like grabbing your imagination in a way I can see why you would be. frustrated by that there is a uh character uh named gill who has a pawn shop essentially Mm. and this like the way that this is written up like this this could be its own like creative writing prompt okay cool like this is is basically that like mr penumbra's (laughs) 24-hour bookstore book that i read yeah. Is like a we. So here's some weird, eccentric weirdo in a pawn shop. <laughs> <But no. laughs> uh, the owner he is a black man who doesn't talk much. And sometimes, if you didn't know better, you could be in there a long time before your eyes notice a pair of gold glasses floating in the dark. Nanny who thinks she is smart and talks to any old man asks lots of questions. Me, I never said nothing to him except once when I bought the Statue of Liberty for a dime. Uh, but Nanny, I hear her asking one time, "How's this here?" And the man says. This this is a music box, and I turn around quick thinking he means a pretty box with flowers pla- painted on it with a ballerina inside, only there's nothing like that where this old man is pointing, just a wood box that's old and got a big brass record in it with holes. Then he starts it up and all sorts of things start happening. It's like all of a sudden he let go a million moths all over the dusty furniture and swan neck with shadows and in our bones. It's like drops of water or like marimbas, only with a funny little plucked sound to it, like if you're running your fingers across the teeth of a metal comb. And then I don't know why, but I have to turn around to pretend I don't care about the box so Nenny won't see how stupid I am. But Nenny, who is stupider, already is asking how much. And I can see her fingers going for the quarters in her pants pocket. This, the old man says, shutting the lid, this ain't for sale. And you never encounter this guy again.
1: That's a cool beat, though.
0: Yeah, and it, it is neat. An okay. And if sure. you wanted to do a whole book about Gil and his pawn shop and like all the stuff, how all the stuff came to be there, or like yeah. the adventures yeah. that he has, or, that's like, the, I mean, that's even the, the even the story of this like music box or whatever, like I I can there are a lot of like hints of things here that you don't you don't ever return to, and and you are especially through the first part of the book wondering like, am I going to see this character again? Like, sure. is this a yeah? Is this a thing that I need to be like making special note of?
1: I feel like that's the catch twenty two of the uh, writing about my community book, and like there are a lot of different versions of that story where it's like I'm going to tell the story of folks whose stories haven't been told, and there can be a way that that can become a like a very inclusive project where you're like, where can, how many different people from my neighborhood can I grab and put in this thing, mm-hmm. and then a. a a reaction to that is like, but what if you just pick two of them and like I got to hear about them? And Not to say that that that's not what she wanted to do as a writer. Clearly, both are valid approaches. Both though, are valid then. approaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad that you had. Sounds like you had an okay time with this one. Yeah,
0: it was fun. It was. It was. It was a departure from. I think a lot of the stuff that we.
1: Yeah, for sure. That
0: we read and yeah, it's
1: yeah. And from and from what I've read about it, also like. A lot of folks encountered this book when they were younger and it really spoke to them. Um, so maybe if, if you have never read it before, like try to put yourself in, the, in those shoes. and Put on some old shoes and read this book is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, thanks for telling me about this book, Andrew. I appreciate it. You are welcome. Great. Thank you for letting me ask so many questions.
0: I, we, that's all we do
1: here. Just asking them.
0: We're just asking them.
1: If you have any somebody questions, asked you. If somebody asked you, if you have any questions for us, you can email them to overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at OverduPod. Thanks to folks who were sharing with us their podcast listening habits for the year of 2021, giving us nice shout-outs. A lot of folks doing that it was very kind of you. Um, folks including uh, Bella, Alex, Jenna. Ellis, Trent, Felipe, Ray, Tori, Amanda, Natalie, Shelby, Jake, Nelda. Lots of folks telling us that we were one of their top podcasts this year. And it really does just make us feel good. So thank you. Yeah. thanks Top to Nick. pods. Thank, we are a top pod. You make us a top pod by listening. Thanks to Nick Laranjus who composed our theme song. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show. Where do they go?
0: They should go to OverduePodcast.com, where we have links to the books that we have read and are going to read. Our December schedule is going to go up soon. Uh, we are still trying to pick our uh, bonus episode, which we're going to do after we hop off the call here.
1: <laughs> I can tell you real quick what are the rest of our schedule is, though. So yeah, please, please do. Yes. Yeah, next week I'll be talking about If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Covino. Uh, then we're going to be talking about Jennifer Government by Max Berry. And then... Two days after Christmas, we're going to talk about the Art of War by Sun Tzu.
0: I feel like we should have. Maybe we should schedule that one to be before Christmas, because you know, talking to your family can can feel like war sometimes.
1: If we change that part of the schedule, Andrea does have a good point. We'll see if that happens. But either way, we yeah, are no, talking. We're gonna, about... We're going to read the Art of War by Sun Tzu. We're going to be talking about the Art of War by Sun Tzu, and then we we will have a bonus episode. It will be Happy Horny Days. We don't. We have not finished our selection of the book yet um so do keep an eye out for that and patreon supporters you can join us for that recording if you subscribe at the over tier blah, 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 blah. andrew keep talking uh we have links to apple podcasts
0: and spotify and our rss feed you can use to subscribe to the show if you hit our patreon page patreon.com slash overdue pod Uh, As Craig mentioned, you can sit in on bonus episode recordings. You can get uh, episodes of our Don Quixote long read project early. Uh, There's some other stuff that we do that I don't necessarily always remember off the top of my head. That's (laughs) fine. But uh, your support, as always, means the world to us. And it really does make it literally possible to devote the time to the show that we do. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i think we are that's it so thanks for listening everybody and as always until we ask you questions next time try to be happy try to be happy try to be happy try to be i'm trying to ask it as a question
1: try to be happy i'm just asking questions can you try to be happy try to be happy